Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. Some guys trowel in the fall and the spring every weekend. You know, they love doing it. They can afford it. They want to put championships on their dogs. They do it. But there's some guys just get qualified and show up, you know. And that's how the organization was designed for. For the everyday guy that can come still compete or the guy that wants to take it to a different level. Have you ever shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying, I swear I hit that bird? Well, good news. Maybe it might not be you, but rather your shotgun. Go check out UplandGunCompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications, but your preferred looks as well. To some people, a shotgun not only has to perform, but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch rather than standing there still saying, I couldn't have missed that bird. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. I am joined this week by a, kind of an old friend, Brandon <laughs> Tarquinio uh, of UFTA. Brandon, how you doing, man? Not bad. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Uh, so first off, you, you kind of have a, uh, a perspective that a lot of listeners might, might enjoy hearing about coming from, uh, you got to know me a little bit <laughs> as a greenhorn when I first got into this Very world. Green. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before I took my first hunting trip or anything like that, right after I got Rachel. So, yep. so I think the listeners would appreciate your, your first impressions <laughs> of meeting me. If, if there's any even kind of uh, memory to be, oh, there be is had for there. sure. There definitely is. <laughs> so what, it, man, tell me your first impressions when you first met me. Because what was that? Eight years ago? That was it. Yeah, at least I'd say we we uh, we had a mutual friend Jeremiah, who you got Rachel from. Yep. And he was actually force fetching one of my dogs, and he's like, "Hey, uh, he he got done with her, and he's like, hey, come down this weekend. We'll work some dogs. I got a friend of mine coming up that bought Rachel. He's going to come up. I'm going to show him some stuff. Another buddy of mine that he was force fetching his dog was going to come down that same weekend. So there was six or seven of us at the house and uh i think you brought one of your buddies up or something i can't remember yeah yeah i forgot and, about uh, that too yeah. yeah so you brought one of your buddies up and we camped out for the weekend in the garage yeah, <laughs> in the garage kennel. Yep. and uh he was working he was showing you how to how to basically own a bird dog i mean what the, what the dog does and we shot some birds and put some birds out for him and 
I got, uh, he said he was bringing these guys up from Tennessee that, that never bird hunted before and buying his first bird dog. So, yeah. And we get there, and that's definitely what you were. You were <laughs> I didn't know anything <laughs> nothing, at all. Nothing. <laughs> and you were coming up wanting to get some pointers on how to go grouse hunting. So you went from getting a bird dog to an extreme pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, but it, I hit that fast forward button. Yes. But what's interesting is, you know, Jeremiah, it's, a, it's such a big, small world mm-hmm. in the bird dog world, but you know, just that experience when he invited me to come up, mm-hmm. that's when I got Rachel. But then when he, when I told him, I'm, Hey, I'm going on my first grouse trip and he invited me up for that weekend and yeah. said, you know, we do these dog training weekends mm-hmm. where we come up and have fun and everything. I still kind of emulate that myself with my own group of friends mm-hmm. down South and, yeah. and, and, and Tennessee. And when somebody's getting new into it, Hey, I have no idea what to do with these bird dogs. I don't know how to flush a bird. I don't yeah. know how to plant a bird. It's like, I do the same thing now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's just a small world and it's just funny thinking back on it where it wasn't that long ago that I was in those shoes to where yeah. I'm like wide eyed and, and have no clue what You've the heck come I'm a doing. long <laughs> way in yeah. eight and a half years from what you yeah. From when I saw you in, that was eight and a half years ago in West Virginia. Then we met up at Peabody. Yeah. And did that hunt there. And then that was, what, two years ago? And where you've gone from there to now is... That was was three years ago. Was it three years ago? Yeah. Time flies. But yeah, yeah, because that that was a little bit into the podcast. You know, we did did that episode. I think we called it Storming the Beaches in Normandy or something. And it's funny how that even happened. (laughs) Because my buddy Corey got hooked up with you and like, hey, this Nick guy knows you. And I'm like, who? He says he's got a dog from Jeremiah. I'm thinking back. He's like, he's from Tennessee. And he, then you start kind of telling what happened. I'm like, I remember you. Yeah. And then we did the hunt in Peabody. It's just crazy how, like you said, it's a, it's a big, small world. It's, it, it is, man. <laughs> and, and it's funny, you know, it's like it, me and you both talk, you know, and it's like Jeremiah, we got, we got the dog from, yeah. from him and, and I caught up with him for the first time in forever. A few mm-hmm. weeks ago, I, I sent him that link of, uh, Rachel on that rough grouse video. I figured he'd yep. get a kick out of that. And, and he said the same thing. He's like, man, who would imagine? I'm like, dude, I didn't imagine. I, I didn't know that I'd be sitting <laughs> right here, but, uh, fast forward all these years, yep. I, you know, after that, that magical first impression I made on you and wowed <laughs> everybody, you know, uh, here we are at, uh, we're here at the UFTA, uh, national, nationals, national championship at, here in Kentucky. And so, you know, this may not come out for, for a little while, but, uh, you, you kind of invited me up. This has been something we've kind of been kicking around yeah. for a few years between me, you and Corey, mm-hmm. uh, me, me, try- you a try. yeah, me trying to just try new things and see new circuits and, and for those that aren't familiar that maybe haven't heard the episode that we did years ago mm-hmm. uh ufta it's the united field trial association mm-hmm. what what's your role within ufta now well i'm a board member right now uh got elected to the board a year and a half ago or so now and uh been with them i think this is my 13th nationals so i started running ufta probably Close to 15 years ago, mm. and because uh, my oldest dog is 14 and a half, and I ran a little bit before that, and uh, didn't, you know, just played, and then finally got a little more competitive and said, okay, we're going to go to nationals, mm-hmm. and I've been coming ever since. So how long has UFTA been so going? 2001, now? it started. Okay, so a little over 20 years. Yep. Group of guys that ran some other circuits, um, not going to name any names of the circuits, but they kind of got ticked off at some of the rules and how it was run and they said hey we think we can 
started our own organization. And those organizations were privately owned. So UFTA is a members-run organization. There's no owner. So we're non, non for, or a not-for-profit organization. Um, all the money that goes into it goes back out to the members at Nationals. Hmm. So there's no dictator saying this is how it's going to go. We have a board of directors, um, and uh, we make decisions, but it's a members-based organization. So members, are the, they're the ones bringing stuff up to vote. They're the ones mm-hmm. voting on it. And, yep. And what they pay in, they have a chance to win on the back end, which we're going to get into, of Absolutely. course. So, you know, for for those people, we have, well, the listeners kind of span a, a little bit of everybody here that, mm-hmm. that, that's going to listen to this. But uh, for those that, that don't understand, you know, you have your field trials, your mm-hmm. typical AKC, UKC, yep. horseback, walking trials, yep. stuff like that. Then you have your hunt tests. That's your, you know, NAVDA, AKC, UKC also have those too. But then uh, you have these shoot-to-retrieve trials and, and what you like to call ultimately games, yeah, right? Sort of. And uh, and it's kind of kind of a m- similar to trials in mm-hmm. some ways, yeah. uh, shape, or form. It, it, there is competition to it, but there is a chance to to win some pretty hefty prizes. But ultimately, uh, it's it's for fun. Yeah. Like everything around this revolves around fun and, and, the dogs. and fun with the dogs for sure and so kind of tell me like what was the mission of the members like what what were they trying to get out of ufta that they weren't finding in those other organizations just you know i i never was around those organizations per se and ran in them a lot so i don't know the ins and outs of all the, the issues that they had with them um the the main thing that it was just a member's organization and ran by the members some of the rules you know ufta kind of when it's designed is you know you have nastra you have some other organizations that the judge has a pretty wide span on how to score something in ufta we try to avoid having the judge to make any kind of bias calls you know did the dog point the bird did he retrieve it to hand did the handler shoot the bird so those are all kind of black and white things where it's not like meh I'm not a really a big setter guy. I don't really like how that dog runs. You know, if I was a judge, you know, that dog's tail wasn't where I want it to be, you know? So it was kind of set up for guys that have, you know, hunting dogs per se and want to come out and compete. Now there are guys that take it to a different level, you know, and, and play it a little more competitively, but until, you know, the guys that have the one dog takes it hunting, you know, have a chance to, come out and compete, get their runs in and get qualified for nationals and still can come play with the guys that, you know, run all season. So they could take it to whatever level they want, you know, as far as how competitive they want to be. But yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fun deal. I mean, I've had some pretty good luck with it and been pretty successful at it, but it's also been, you know, you had some bad times and some good times on it. Just like everything, you're going to have your highs and lows, mm-hmm. and, and you got to work at it. Because I mean, just like we're we're going to get into it, pretty much. You get into this. You, there, there's a level of suck that you have to get through <laughs> uh, before you're competitive. But ultimately, you know, the the judges, yeah. and and what we're talking about is uh, taking the subjective judging out of it. Yeah. Right? It's it's not up to the judges. It's more objective. It's mm-hmm. clear cut. Here are the rules. 
did you do X, Y, and Z? Yes, yes, yes. You know, mm-hmm. there's a checklist. And yeah. and that's what a lot of people, that, especially in the field trial world, that you, you might hear some negative feedback from some people to where the politics Yeah, you don't have the clicks it. like in the judges, like, you know, okay, you come to say there's a trial in Ohio and I'm from Kentucky. You know, you're the outsider when you come to that trial at some of the events, some of some of different organizations. Well, here, you know, your dog goes out there and smokes the run and has a fast run, finds his birds, does everything he's supposed to do. The judge can't do nothing but give you a good score. Right. There's no like, nah, I don't think he did this quite as good as I thought he did, you know. Yeah. Wasn't so, a pretty enough point. It's right. like, you know, a right. point is a point. And right. Yeah. There's no style. No, here. there's no style in, in in any of the scoring. It's it's like you said, it's black and white. Did it did it do this? Did it do that? You know, if it did, you got a check mark on your scorecard and he's stopping the clock and counting how many birds you shot. And that's basically I mean, there is some there is some calls the judges have to make safety calls. Um, stuff like that where it's, you know, a little bit of discretionary, but not as much as other organizations. Well, I mean, there's a reason why there are judges out yes. there, right? But mm-hmm. there, it seems like they're more in line with, like, I don't know, maybe, like, referees or, or umpires. Scorekeepers or, almost. Yeah, yeah scorekeepers mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. And uh, so that that's what's really interesting about this is because we've all heard the horror stories about some people's experiences at field trials to where, you know, if they don't play the political yeah. landscape, it's, you know, it, we, we don't even have time or yeah. need to go into all that. If if you don't know, you know, start talking about field trialers. But you know, it's it, we, whatever we, the judge likes that day. If you don't, you don't yeah. have what the judge likes. Uh, or or the, yeah, you know, the judge hears that you run in another organization mm-hmm. at a high level. Maybe they they you know yeah. they, they're going to try and prove a point on on your run or something sure. like that. But for sure, you know. Uh, but th- something about UFTA is it's it's very relatable. You know, you come here. This is my first event actually being here. Mm-hmm. I, I've known about it for a few years, but I've always been hunting when an event's going on. Yeah. And, and it just we haven't been able to make it happen. But something that you guys have always told me is like UFTA is for the every everyday dog person. Mm-hmm. Just, for you sure. know, you, you have guys, you have a bunch of women running out here Absolute too. Absolutely. Youth, women, uh, yeah. seniors division. It, you you kind of have a, a little bit of every demographic out here yeah. do, doing this, but it's just for fun. And it's like, it truly is. And it's something that you keep saying, saying to me over this weekend is, it is set up for anybody to just that wants to come out and have fun with their dogs yeah. and run their dogs and be competitive or at least yeah. have the opportunity if they want to take it that far. Yeah, if, yeah. if with a little bit of luck on their side, yeah. you know, you maybe, don't need to be a pro trainer to come here and play. Yeah, there are some that do, but you don't have to be. Yeah, so let's get into how this is kind of set up. Let's talk about the different divisions first, and then we'll go from there. What are the different divisions and classes that you guys have available? So we have a pointing side of the organization and a flushing side of the organization. The flushing side has open flushing, which is open up to any age flushing dog and any kind of flushing dog. We have labs, cocker spaniels, springers, boykins, chessies, you know, or the main dogs that compete. You know, if you have a flushing dog, you can come compete. In the open division, any age dog can come compete. And then we have a doubles uh, division, which is one dog and two handlers. Again, you know, any 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 kind of flushing dog can come compete. So the open, even in pointing and flushing, our open division, what we do is you get two three-bird runs in separate fields. So our theory is the most consistent dog wins, you know. 
if you have just one run, there's always luck involved where, you know, that one dog goes out there and has a great run from an extra bird or something like that. But you got to do it twice, you know, in our, in our deal. So the open division, you'll do two, three bird runs in separate fields. You get 15 minutes in a field. Um, you know, you want to obviously do it as fast as possible without running, you know, but the dog's got to cover some ground, find the birds, you know, in flushing, flush the birds, shoot the birds, which is very important in flushing. You know, you get, you get 10 points for a shell in flushing, which makes or breaks your run. You double tap, you know, you're, you're in the bottom half. So, um, and then when you get your third bird, you call time. The dog's got to retrieve the hand. Um, and then doubles, same deal. You get 15 minutes, but you get six birds and two guys and one dog. So, uh, you know, any, either handler can shoot any of the birds. It doesn't make a difference. Um, so the flushing side is, is our smaller size as competitors. We don't have nearly as many as the pointing side, but we have some pretty good dogs in it. Um, so the pointing side is what, what originally originated from the UFTA. The flushing got added to UFTA probably halfway through the, you know, probably, I'd say probably 15 years ago. And then the pointing side, uh, was the, was the originator. And then, so we have for trials that are, are sanctioned trials. We have an open division, which is open to any day age dogs. We have an amateur division and we have a doubles pointing. So our doubles pointing is two dogs and two handlers and you're a team. So, um, with doubles, you can get backs on your dogs and where they have to honor each other. You get, you get points for that. Uh, same setup. You get six birds, 15 minute time. And then we have the amateur division, which is three years or younger. It's only a three bird run and you get the same time, 15 minutes. And then the open division, which is open to any age dog. And it's the same way as the flushing. It's two, three bird runs, uh, and they add your score together. So you'll do them in separate fields. When we do the draw, you know, we, we do the draw out and then we split the field in half. So say you get an early draw on one field, you might get a later draw. You're going to get a later draw in the second field. So say it's nice and cool in the morning, you have an early run and it's warm in the afternoon. It's, it's, it's the same for everybody basically. Yeah. It balances out. Yes. So, and it's, you know, the most consistent dog in the open is. It's not like you get one person that just comes out. They have the run of their lives, yeah. that, and, and you know the 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 dog just right. over exceeds its talent and just or, or its training capability, what have you, the yeah. sending conditions. And somebody's mm-hmm. over here like, I'm running at two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. He ran at you know nine in the morning. Yeah. And perfect conditions. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a balancing act to make it fair ultimately yeah. for the open. <laughs> Now, yeah. the amateur is just one three-bird run. Okay. So, yeah, that that may happen. You know, it's kind of luck of the draw on that, you know. But that's how we do our amateurs, just one three-bird run on that okay. one. So, it, it's really interesting here is you're kind of playing in a few different ways. You're playing A, against the clock. Yep. You're also playing with efficiency. You want to be good on your shots and and, and all that stuff. Yeah, fast on your retrieves. And, yeah, you need the retrieves and, and obviously the luck on your side. Mm-hmm. But uh, the bird planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us about the bird planning process because the birds aren't in the same exact location Definitely every not. time. Because because if they did that, then people in the crowd It'd be a foot race. It, it would be a foot race. People know where mm-hmm. those planning locations Absolutely. are. So. Before people are going to run, you're in a blind. You're in a blind. And yep. somebody's and so you have 
number one gunner and then the person the, the guy going up. next yep. on deck, essentially, yep. they're in the blind because they can't cheat either. Right. And so if then you leave them a bird, they, they don't know where it's at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so like you're trying to keep everything as honest mm-hmm. as you can here. And that's that's what I find interesting is yeah. like the I told you the efficiency of you guys. Yeah. Everybody kept hearing a 15 minute brace that you were just talking yeah. about. You have a 15 minute timeline. I, very few of these braces are going actually 15 minutes because today they weren't today they weren't they were we had some really good runs today okay. the dogs were finding them pretty good all right earlier in the week it was definitely a lot slower okay so so it all all depends on conditions gotcha so you'll plan for 15 minutes mm-hmm. but like today we're, we're done halfway yeah. halfway through the day which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad because <laughs> you know if you had a, a pretty good run so did a lot of other people yeah so but that that's uh, that's what I found fascinating is you know I've helped out with a bunch of different organizations and testing and and gunning and stuff like that and just the efficiency of you guys automatically like boom 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 yep. boom 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 and uh, you you guys are just cycling through them and it's very efficient so like for people to come here and see this like you see a lot of action mm-hmm. really fast yeah and you guys run through a bunch of dogs that's this this club is very good at that they they're you don't go to every club and see like how it's run today. You know, it's it's very efficient. These guys that have been doing it, they know how to get the dogs in and out of the field, get the birds planted, get the guys in the blind, uh, pretty good. And they could, you know, good conditions. We could run forty five open dogs. Well, the Kentucky Open does forty to forty five open dogs each day. You know, in March. So we're doing amateur. I think we were at thirty six dogs uh, in amateur beginning of the week each field and we got done about five o'clock okay. each day there was a little bit slower runs um today the fields weren't we had six fields going for qualifiers and there was about 25 dogs in each field and we were done by about what noon one o'clock today we started yeah. at about seven thirty this morning but you guys aren't having like this field over here is pointing this field's over here flushing y'all have individual days so like yes. your flushing dogs have already gone through the this week and yep. right now you guys are on pointing you're getting into the qualifiers because yeah to i guess the pointing uh uh championship round is saturday yeah for and, the open yes the big the big the, the big time one so yeah so we started this last saturday so this is day six of i think we got eight days of home saturday to saturday it runs yeah and we, we start Saturday with uh, amateur pointing and doubles flushing. Um, and then we go to the finals on Monday for amateur pointing. And then after, and, and Sunday is doubles flushing finals. Tuesday starts um, doubles pointing qualifier. The finals will be on Wednesday. We had some seniors runs in there, I think, on Wednesday. Women's were Sunday and Tuesday, I believe. And... Um, and then we had youth throughout the week. Whenever we can fit them in, the kids can get here. We try to get them in, get their runs in. It's not real, com- you know, has to be here this time. Whenever the kids can get here, we try to fit them in. And then uh, the open starts on Thursday, and it'll go qualifiers Thursday, Friday, and then the championship will be Saturday. Yeah. So we got a long week. And most guys have been here since Thursday. And, and ultimately that's – I'm going through this timeline just to kind of convey to people how many dogs – Yes. And, and events that you guys are running through. Yeah, so and- this is the national, so everyone's here that has competed all year for it. So I probably should back up and say how they got here. That's that's where I was headed to so, next. So like we we are at the finish line. We are at here. the finish line. We but, should probably start the, the starting yeah, line. So you guys run year round, correct? Year round. 
Yeah, well, summertime it slows down just because of the heat. Yeah, you know? so it depends on the region. Yep, the guys up in north can get away with running in yeah. June, July, you know, but and so, the guys in Alabama cannot. So let's say I'm Joe Schmo. I have my first dog. It's just like, hey, this sounds like something fun to check yep. out and do. Uh, t- tell me, like, the UA- UFTA setup. How do yeah. I, how do I go uh, so, do a trial, and what does the points yeah. mean, and all yeah. that? So if you stuff. go to our website, UFTA on uh, dash online. You go to our website, it gets a listing of all the events throughout the year. Um, I mean, new events will be added throughout the year, but it'll give you a listing of all the events. Tells you where they're at, what divisions they're running, what days, um, if it's a money trial, if it's not a money trial. Um, so what those do is you need to qualify, to qualify for nationals for the amateur division. You only need, I believe, four runs to qualify for... Uh, Open flushing, you need six. Doubles flushing, you need three. Open pointing, you need six. Doubles pointing, you need three. No matter if you get first or last at any of those events, you just come to and participate in those of trials, and you do the allotted you need to get qualified, you can come to Nationals and play. Some guys trial in the fall and the spring every weekend. You know, they love doing it. They can afford it. They want to put championships on their dogs. They do it, but there's some guys just get qualified and show up, you know, and that's how the organization was designed for, for the everyday guy that can come still compete or the guy that wants to take it to a different level. So once you get qualified and we have the events throughout the year, through all the regions, we have trials from New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, South Carolina, North Carolina, and the whole East Coast, Georgia, Alabama, got guys in Wisconsin having trials. Guys in Nevada having trials. So we had guys from California, from Wisconsin, to Alabama, from PA to New York. All They're coming all around. All around. Yeah. To Kentucky. And that was where our, our national championship is held. So, um, And it's, like I said, eight days of competition. Man, like, all right. So uh, let's get back on to the trial portion. We planted the birds. Yeah. We're about to go out there. The time starts. You 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 essentially picture your your dog is at heel. Yeah. The handler's going out there. Yeah. And walk me through that. Is the judge just saying go and the time starts, or does the time start like when you release your dog? Yeah. So you're in a field, you know, seven to twelve acre fields. You know, majority of the size. You come out of the blind, come up to the line. The judge starts the clock when you cut the dog loose. The judge stops the clock when you have the third bird shot, and you have control of the dog. You know, you have the dog by the collar or by the leash, and you call time. So you get three birds planted in each zone. So we break up that 7 to 12-acre field into zones. You have a front zone, a middle zone, and a back zone. So you know if you get a bird in each zone, you know, just to move on to the next zone. Yes, there might be more birds in those zones. If you think there are, you can hunt them. You could stay all in the front, all in the middle, all in the back. It doesn't matter. But you're guaranteed to put three birds down in the field, front, middle, back. And that makes it fair for everybody. You know, um, yeah, they don't know where they're at, but they know they have a bird in each one of those zones. So, you you know, ideally, you want to go from bird one to bird two to bird three and end, end in the back, shoot them clean, one shot. The dog retrieves them to hand. Once you shoot, you can't take a step. The dog has to retrieve it to hand. Um, and once you get that third bird, get the dog by the collar and 
I got the bird and call time. And the clock stops. Stops. The judge will stop the clock when you call time, and he thinks you have control of the dog and have the bird. Yep. And and so, what does the time mean on this? Because ultimately, yeah. this is this is something that it took me and and you a few times talking about yeah. today for me to kind of fully grasp. Is like, yeah. you know, you, you again going back to what I was saying a minute ago. You're kind of racing against the time, but you're also there's different things that you have to do to build points. And so, ultimately, we're trying to get the highest score possible. Mm-hmm. And all that time means is the quicker you do it, the the more points you get right. off of that. So, yeah. How does that break down in terms yeah, of points? Yeah, so you get scored on um, so many points if your dog points the bird, so many points if you bag the bird, and so many points if you shoot the bird, you know, um, get the bird in the air, get it shot, and then so many points for the retrieve. Uh, the dog needs to retrieve at the hand. If you have to take a partial, you know, where you have to take a step or you have to go out of bounds to get a bird or something like that, you're going to get a partial retrieve, so you won't get as many points. Um, and then uh, you get two two points for every minute left on the clock. So ideally, you want to do it in as fast a time as possible. So you want to have a dog that can get out there, cover some ground, find the birds, hold point without any issues, get the birds up in the air, get them shot, and have the bird dog retrieve the bird as fast as possible. So a dog that's steady, a dog that's uh, retrieves very fast, and listens and handles and covers some ground, you know, and you think you got that, it's definitely a dog that can be competitive. So after a day of watching the dog work is, is you said a few things in that statement. First off, a dog that covers ground. Yeah. That's true. But what I appreciated about this is we're not talking about, you're not talking about horseback no. range. No. It is very huntable range is yep. what I would call For it. Sure. it. Picture a dog that as if you're actually hunting on foot, a dog that covers ground effectively, yeah. that that's what you need in this game to to have yeah. a competitive shot. So you're not asking for a dog that is 200-plus yards out. Yeah. yeah you, you know, most of those dogs, I, I would say they were, they were between 50 and 100 yards yeah. today yeah. for the most part. And yeah. So so my dogs, <laughs> they are they cover some serious ground, and sometimes it's an issue to keep them in range because they – when I'm hunting them, they're gonna go. They're gonna they're gonna be two three hundred yards <laughs> range, but they know they know that this is this game, and they know when we're hunting, but they can cover some ground and just keeping them in those zones and finding the birds. But they also know what they're they know they're at a trout. They know they're not out wild bird hunting. Well, and you said this is typically like a, a twelve acre field. Yeah. So you, you know they can't go you know, right. 500 yards yeah. out and still stay within the game. So, yeah. so they're going to figure it out, but that's, that's what I really appreciate about this is like, you know, even, even just the gallery, just yeah. watching it, yep. you, you get to see handler and dog interaction almost the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at most, most trout, this, this facility, these grounds that the Cedar Creek quail club have are probably one of the best for, for watching the field trial, especially the A and B field that we watch by the clubhouse. Yeah. Those are their premier fields. You know, it's awesome sitting there watching. The gallery's all there. They could see everything. And most of their fields, you could see most of them. And that just makes it more fun to come watch a trial. They get a lot of people coming that, you know, members of the club just to watch the big event, you know, because they could see everything. You yeah. Know? So, so the range is obviously important. You need yeah. a dog that's going to go find it because yeah. you're talking a 12-acre field. It's not huge, mm-hmm. but there, there's also a good left and right. And yep. if you're going against the clock, yep. it's just like if you have to walk 
that entire field yourself, you're not going to get those three birds within 15 minutes, at least not be competitive in the way you do so. So you need a dog that can actually hunt in the direction and effectively. Yeah. And, and ultimately I kept coming back. Like my, my interpretation of all of this was efficiency, right? You had some guys that were super fast. Mm-hmm. Their dogs were really fast. They were speed walking like champs and everything, but they were almost rushing to the point to where like when they would approach their dog on point, they would essentially that they wouldn't flush in a, in a very strategic manner. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. And it would cause their dogs to break and they would rip the bird. Right. And yeah. then they lose the opportunity on the shot, shot yep. bird op, uh, points. Yep. They don't get disqualified. They no. don't lose point. Well, they, they kind of do. They, they kind of lose points. points. Yeah. yeah. They don't get the shot points, which are very but, important, but it's not like it disqualifies no. them. It's just like, you know, it's like, yep. eh, you know, Hey dog caught a bird, whatever. Keep, keep going. Yeah. Uh, but then also you would have, some dogs on retrieve to where the dog would retrieve it but if it's not snappy if it's yeah. not coming straight back to you or it's a or if it's a bundled uh handoff yeah you know the dog's dancing and parading yeah. around you that's lost time absolutely and so you know for people that talk about like the this game may not produce the best dog work well if you're if you're consistently successful in this and your dog is efficient mm-hmm. you could argue that like it's just it is producing good Absolutely. dog work. I mean, if it, you know, you, some guys can get lucky, mm-hmm. like we've already talked about yeah. a few times. Yeah. But ultimately, if you're if you're in this game and you're doing it consistently year after year after year, yeah. that dog has quality dog work. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, with the retrieves, you definitely if you got a dog that's quick on the retrieves, puts it in your hand and and is off to the next bird, and you don't got to be hacking on them to get you the retrieve to you, and he's already looking for the next bird. That's definitely saving you some time. And same thing with uh, the, um, the the steadiness of the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, we're using quail. Quail sometimes aren't the best flying birds. Especially you know, with how much rain we've had Rain this week. stuff. So you got a dog to steady the shot. You kick that quail up and it's only flying six feet off the ground and it's flying out across the field. If your dog's standing back there steady, you could shoot that bird, no problem. You're getting your shot bird points. If you got a dog that's not steady and is chasing that bird, you're not going to shoot that bird. You have to call safety, and you're not going to get the shot bird points. So you are promoting better dog work because if you have better dog work, you're going to score higher. Yeah. You know. So the name of the game is have the best dog work yeah. to the point to then you can just do it as fast as you possibly can. Absolutely. Ultimately. And yeah. So, and so that that's what I, I was learning because it's like, you know, every run for – Every dog has its run. Yeah. Every handler has its run. You know, I mean, it's like some dogs did fantastic and the handlers were missing. Right. And then, you know, some handlers didn't even get a a chance to shoot at the bird. Mm -hmm. So like anything can happen on these runs, Mm -hmm. but you know, it seems like the people that, that, you know, you kind of point out, it's just like, you know, you got the guys with the belt buckles that Mm -hmm. have, you know, 10 time champions, five time champions. You watch those guys run and it's like, all right. You know, it's, (laughs) you, you start seeing those little common elements that you see, no matter what circuit or yeah. or venue these bird dogs go in, whether you know NAVDA, yeah. AKC, NASTRA, this, it's like no matter what, the cream is going to rise to the top for sure. And, and so, like when you're training for this stuff, walk me through like how are you preparing your dog? If if I'm I have a brand new dog, yeah, I've never done this. Like, how are you coaching me on so to get ready for this? When I first started. And I kind of, when I first started, I was kind of fairly new into bird dogs in general. You know, I maybe had a bird dog for eight or nine years, you know, and hunted preserves, hunted birds, never did any kind of competition. 
and didn't really have any great formal training with that dog. So as as I started with this, I had some other dogs, you know, some younger dogs I got, and I was pretty gung ho on doing it. So I kind of started them kind of young, too too young. Didn't focus on the training more that I should have and went into straight competition. So those dogs had some bad habits. As I got into this more and older, I realized you need to have the dog completely trained, in my opinion, before you start doing the troweling. Because they can sometimes get some bad habits from that because they can get away with it at the trowel. You know, so if your dog, you need to have, a, in my opinion, a trained dog before you start because it's going to get some bad habits <laughs> in this. And if it already has bad habits going into it, it's going to make them worse. If you if you have a steady dog, it, it's force fetch, it retrieves the hand, definitely can compete um, with them. So as I gotten older, I, I had my dogs very well trained before I started doing this. Kind of started them not nearly as young as I did before. They were definitely a lot older when I first started competing with them. So again, what we talk about, no matter what venue we're talking yeah. about, the foundational for sure, good struck, foundation. Yeah, the good foundation start. matters exponentially in yeah. this. So what what have you found? Like again, every dog's different, but general timeline. Like, what are you talking about? Like year and a half, two yeah, years I mean, old. Yeah, I mean, some guys start their dogs a lot younger. Um, that's their prerogative. You know, yeah, their prerogative, their opinion, how whatever they want to do. Um, just what I what's worked for me in the past several years. You know, not getting the dog bad habits. Have your foundation stuff. Have force fetched steadiness. You know, come you know, your commands to come back. You know, it, it's your recall. Having that control of the dog before you start into the troweling is a huge advantage. I think so. So let's talk on the steadiness piece because I know somebody's sitting here thinking right now, like, you know, can uh, we have a lot of NAVDA mm-hmm. listeners? So they train up if if they're doing utility testing yeah. on up. Yeah fully broke so i mean all all the way through release uh can you be competitive with a fully steady dog in this game for sure for sure i think you're you're what you're losing in retrieve time you're gaining on more shot birds for sure uh on it i think that's definitely not an issue i mean with my when i'm training my dogs working my dogs and like we were saying before i try to when i'm when i'm practicing for field trials I try to make it where they think they're at a field trial because they act completely different when we're practicing. I mean, they know we're practicing. They know we're at the house practicing the fields. They know we're at our club practicing. They know it's not a trial. I think my dogs definitely act different when they know it's a trial. And I've yet to figure out how to trick them. (laughs) We've tried to put on, you know, we do mock trials at our club and stuff. We try to, you know, put them in the blind, you know, take them up with the car, put them in the blind set the bird, have them sit in the blind, wait, you know, and, and, and usually when we do that, they're flawless. They know we're still practicing. So they definitely act different, I think. Most of these dogs do act different, you know, when they're at the trial grounds. You, you think know. it's them picking up off your energy? I think so. I think for sure. And everyone's hyped up, you know, and they, yeah. they feel it. And I try to, you know, calm myself down and, and not let them feel the adrenaline, you know, going. But I still think they said they said. But so. I mean, it's a competitive nature. I mm-hmm. mean, you're you, either way, your yeah, your your sure. behavior is going to change. Yep. Like and it, I try to act the same in yeah. in training and practicing for these events as I would in the trial. You know, the way I talk to the dogs, the commands. Yeah. You know. So so back on the steadiness though. So yep. like you you can if you if somebody 
listening to this is yeah. doing NAV. Do they train for utility tests? They want to go give this a shot just yeah. for the heck of it. Yep. Have some fun. You can do this with a, a trained all the way through release steady dog. Absolutely. Uh, most people, it seemed like, steady. Like as soon as that bird gets up, that dog's going. Yeah. Uh, that's what it seems like most people have right. here. Is, is that a pretty accurate statement? Yes, I would say. There's some dog. You know, I try to get my dog steady the shot just so I can shoot low flying birds. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, they sometimes they have brain farts and they break. I had one today, steady on two of them, and the last bird she broke on. Still was able to get the shot off, you know. But like I said, when I was saying foundation, when they're in the trials, you can't correct them when they do that. You're kind of at the mercy of, and they, they know that they can get away with stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's different. I think a broke dog would do perfectly fine. And we have them here. We have dogs that are completely broke and, and run. Not as many of them because how the organization is set up. It's for yeah. the average guy. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see a lot of dogs that aren't as steady as, as some others. Well, and it goes back to what we were already talking about, efficiency. Yeah. You know, you can have that fully broke dog. Uh, you might lose a few seconds right. on that, maybe. But uh, you also might gain some shot points. But you know, on, on but also flyer. that efficiency that maybe that retrieve is more mm-hmm. efficient than Absolutely. everybody else, and you gain those, those extra seconds back. Uh, talk to me about the handler's role. Like, how much strategy – like, talk to me about you in your headset. Like, how are you preparing while you're sitting in that blind ready for that that clock to start? Yeah. What's going through your head, and how are you approaching the field with your dog? Yeah, and it, it varies from run to run. You know, if I think I got an extra bird somewhere to where, you know, I'm trying to think where's that bird planter going to plant my bird. You know, you're trying to guess in, you know, which I didn't do today. I didn't guess right. <laughs> you guessed the wrong you way. You saw that one. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, he planted one over here on the left, like three runs ago. He hasn't planted <laughs> one over there yet in a couple. He, my bird might be on the left side. So, but really, I mean, it's a lot of the dog, you know, I keep the dog in the zone till I find my bird and the dog learns, okay, I need to find a bird here somewhere in this area. Some dogs don't, some dogs take off and just cover the whole entire field. And my dog's kind of learned, okay, I got a bird in the front. I got a bird in the middle and I got a bird in the back, you know? Yeah. Goes back to the efficiency. If you yes. if you start at the very first zone one and yeah. your dog tears out to zone three, right, and you got to go all the way there, yeah. shoot a bird, and he's standing back or pointing it. Then they come all the way back to zone one. Yeah. You walk all the way back, then right. zone two. It's yeah. it's just it's a lot of wasted time and For steps. Sure. And my dogs got to the point where they know they can almost count because they get a bird in the front, they cut loose. You get that bird bagged, retrieved, and they're going to the middle. They know there's a bird in the middle of the field, so they they played the game for a long time. So they know they know. They kind of get the gist of where everything is. Yeah. But yeah, so I, you know, I'm sitting there in the blind listening, just thinking where I'm going to, where I'm going to go. But like I said, my main focus is get a bird in each zone. Um, get the bird shot, you know, get the retrieve, get to the back. You want to, you want to be in the back of the field looking for your third bird, not looking for your first bird or second bird. <laughs> you want to be in the back of the field looking for your third bird and call time you know, when you get it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all depends, you know. Did someone leave me a bird? If I think there's an extra bird, am I going to go try for it? Sometimes it bites you in the butt. You know, you you think you got a bird, a leftover bird, that the guy didn't get in the middle, say, two braces ago, you know, and you're up and no one's went over there. You can go, you know, waste some time and go looking for that bird. The bird might have left. So sometimes it, sometimes you capitalize on it and sometimes you waste precious time looking yeah. for it. So it's like... Hunt the field, hunt your plant. You think where you think the birds are going to be, hunt the field, and just get your birds. You know, sometimes it works out where you get extras, sometimes it doesn't. 
So, so this is where me being an observer, never having done this, that yeah. I get the benefit of uh, passing judgment without having attempting it. Yeah. Tell me how short sighted this is. If I if I was to do this, mm-hmm. I'm already kind of in my head, just like how would I handle this? Okay. As I always am. Why the way I would handle it is I would just go down the middle of the field. And because like you said, you can assume you can try and play mm-hmm. that guessing game. Yeah. Sometimes you can be right. Sometimes yeah. you can be wrong. I would just assume let the dog do what it is that we've trained right. to do, that right. we've worked it. And I'm not playing this guessing game mm-hmm. and just go down the middle, stay in the zone and cast the dog left, cast the dog right. Absolutely. Get bird one, then bird two, bird three. If you happen upon an extra yeah. bird, cool. Yeah. But you're not playing, you're not wasting that game. Right. But, and that, and that goes a lot on the dog too. Yeah. You know, you're what your dog's capable of and you could just take it in the middle of the field and, and you trust it to cover that area. You know, so my I'm kind of the same boat. You know, my dog knows, like I said, it knows the kind of the zones. You know, you know, goes out, you know, hundred yards, seventy five yards, and turns back and starts hunting back to me. Mm-hmm. That's the front zone part of the field. You know, they know they got a bird up here close somewhere, and when they get that bird, they're going off the zone too. So, yeah, unless I know where there's a bird, I'm not really calling my dog to them. I'm just keeping them in that area, and I let I'm trusting them to hunt the cover hunt the wind and just cover the ground and find the bird. I can't, you're not, you're not going to walk your dog to a bird unless you know it's, you know, it just flew in the field or something like that. And you got to, you know, call them over to get them to point the bird. But I definitely trust my dogs of just their bird finding ability. Yeah. Just keeping them in that zone, trusting them and then letting them do the work really. Talk to me about what we can and can't do in the field as handlers. Can like ver- verbal correction or verbal commands? I obviously, yep. you know, we've already said that you can do that. Yeah. But you know, e collars. Yeah. Uh, you said that we have to stay still during the retrieve. Just yeah. to talk to me about like the rules of the handler for somebody coming out doing their first one. Just know that this is this is what you have to live within this realm. Yeah. So UFTA, we do not allow shock collars, any kind of e collars with prongs on them. You can run a beeper collar. It can't have prongs on it and has to be working, has to be on. Um, you can't you can't run any GPS because it has a remote. Um, typically, you know, we have the, f- the four-wheelers there with the judges on them. We don't have any issues with dogs running off, you know. They're not big running horseback dogs, you know. So um, the handler definitely can't correct the dog in any kind of physical way in the field. You can definitely yell at him. He's <laughs> definitely seen that. There's a lot of that. There's yeah. a lot of that. But yeah, you definitely can't correct the dog physically out in the field anyway. You can't shoot towards the gallery. You can't shoot towards the judge. Um, you, those you, those you, are safety. Safety issues. You can't shoot, obviously, towards your dog. I mean, you can get safeties on all that stuff. If a bird flies towards the judge, flies towards the gallery, flies towards their dog where you can't shoot, you can call safety on it. Now, do they get the shot bird points? So they get the shot bird points if it flies towards the judge or the gallery. It does not on the dog, which entail promotes a steady. So you you can't circle around and flush the dog or try and flush the bird back at the dog and then call safety and get those points. You can. You can, but you're not going to get the shot bird points. Right. So the guy that goes and kicks the bird up away from the dog gets the bird shot. He's getting the shot bird points, which is, believe me, end of the. End of the end of the day, you want your shot bird points. Yeah, yeah. because uh, I mean that that's one thing that you're telling me is is like sometimes seconds 
truly matter. Yeah. And those points, those, yeah. those two per uh, shot bird points truly matter at the end of the day. And I mean, we're going to, we're going to get to some of these, these pot sizes here in a little bit. So <laughs> which it, it actually matters, but let's get back to the, to the handler rules and, you know, do's and don'ts. Yeah. So as far as, you know, you, the correction of the dog, um, you know, is that pretty much it? Yeah. I mean, no, there's nothing really, you know, you can't talk to anyone in the gallery, you know, when you're in the blind, you can't talk to anybody. You come out of the blind, you're in the field. You can't talk. You can talk to the judge, but I mean, there's no one to talk because to. Because pe- people in the gallery could tell you where the Absolutely. birds are. Absolutely. And there's a field marshal there, you know, making sure none of that happens. You know, so there's a judge, a field marshal. When you go in the blind, the field marshal is watching the field. When the bird planter plants the field, the judge is watching the field, making sure your birds stay in the field. When you come out, the, bird, the, ju- the field marshal is keeping everyone away from the blind. There's no mingling with people when you come out of the blind. You're, you're like you're in there. There's no talking to anybody. Um, can't take any birds out in the field with you. Any other, you know, when you go out in the field, your bird bag, your vest has to be empty of birds. Um, you get you get six shells, you know, for for a three bird run, you know, for your open runs, and you're only allowed to shoot at the bird six times. Once you're out of shells, or you moved your quota of birds, you're done. That's so. something that I found interesting. Is say the handler missed the bird. Yep. They wouldn't take a second poke at the bird. Why is that? Is well, it, you, you're talking about like a point strategy, yeah, or the, yeah. there there is a, a reason behind this madness. Yeah, uh, but but why wouldn't they even try to take well, it with the next one if they do have an? You're extra gambling. Show? You kind of it's a split second decision. Okay, say that bird, you flush it, you miss it. You got to kind of take everything in for the day. Are these birds flying really well? Like they're going to fly out of the country. You know, and the dog's not going to be able to chase it down, or do you think it's going to fly 150 yards and go down, and the dog's probably going to grab it and bring it back if you missed it? So if, if the birds are flying out of the country, you better be shooting. You know, if the birds are some not great flying birds, you shoot and miss, and you think, okay, maybe my dog will save me. <laughs> and the dog goes in 100 yards and runs the bird down and grabs it and brings it back. You know, you're feeding him some steak that night because he <laughs> saved your butt. So, and, you, and even though you missed, you can still get those points on it. Yeah, that? because the judge, you know, the judge does know you didn't put a pellet in it per se. You so know? they're not they're not studying it. Afterwards. Nope, they're not studying it. They're not okay. studying. So if you miss it and your dog runs it down and saves you, you got lucky. All right, you so, got lucky. So the bird in the vest is is what we're after ultimately. Yes. yes. Yeah. So you know. If you got really good flying birds, sometimes that happens. So you better be shooting again. <laughs> so um, you know, and we got a, a fairly new rule that was in place like two years ago now, which in, entails Steady's dogs. So say we got some bad flying birds, or it's it's pouring down rain. You know, with quail, that's not a great yeah. scenario, which happened earlier in the week. So your dog points the bird, and you walk up, and the bird's sitting there soaking wet because it's been sitting out you know three braces maybe and it's been pouring down rain the whole time and it's soaking wet you're like this bird's not gonna fly there's no way so before you did just pick the bird up put it in your vest and you wouldn't get any shot bird points now if the dog's steady doesn't take the bird out you know when you kick it up you could pick the bird up throw the bird up in the air shoot the dog retrieve it and you're gonna get your shot bird points so in turn it's promoting a dog that's standing there watching that bird flop around the ground or run around, you know, run past the dog and it's not going to take it out. So you're going to... And we've all seen that have to have to be done in the training field. We've all yeah. been there. I mean, shooting, throwing birds sucks. Yes, but. right. But it's better... I mean, I love the rule because 
you know, if my dog's standing back there, not taking the bird out, and this bird's running around soaking wet, I'm getting the same score as the guy that kicked the bird up. It flew 10 feet, and the dog grabbed it. Yeah. So I'm like, my dog's standing back there. I didn't get a chance to shoot it because it's soaking wet. So when that rule came into I was like, I'm always all for it because then I got a chance to get my shot burn kinda, points. Yeah, kind of evens the odds. I'm for curious, sure. do you have to throw it in a certain direction, like away from the dog, or can you literally kind of turn in the direction of the dog, throw it in the air to where well, it lands closer to them? You can do that. So <laughs> my theory with it, and, and sometimes it hasn't bit me in the butt yet, but some guys do this, throw the bird in the air and just shoot. If I throw that bird up in the air, I'm shooting it. I'm killing it. Because I've seen birds come to life miraculously yeah. when you throw them in the air and you shoot and not kill the bird and all of a sudden it flies away. <laughs> There's and your you, shot shell. Right. And it's gone. Yep. Seen it. So I've, I've, I've done that uh, very few times. And uh, I guess I told my wife, I said, if you're, shooting, if you're throwing a bird up in the air, you better kill it. You, you can take your, just like looking for that spare bird earlier, you can take the chance. Yes, and it's a high sure. risk, high reward. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm killing the bird. Yeah. You know, I hold off on it a little bit and just catch it with a couple pellets. And, but yeah, it's getting shot. Nice. <laughs> so talk to me about the, the overlap. You know, you, we, we've said a number of times these dogs know when, when the game is on, when it's yeah. the trial. What about hunting? You know, it, you're a big time wild bird hunter. That's, that's, I ultimate. try to be as much as I can. It, well, <laughs> it, you know, it, in these day and age, especially, you know, east of the Mississippi, yeah. it, it's tough. But, uh, you you do a bunch of trips and you hunt a bunch of wild birds and ultimately you know that's that's what me and you have gotten along yeah. most about uh, the the few years we've known each yeah. other. Uh, talk to me about like you get these dogs at these high level in, in this game and then you go out west and hunt. Yeah. Uh, do you have to church up any of uh, of their manners? Do they kind of know that hey this isn't that game this is this is actual hunting? Talk to me about yeah. the, the overlap of hunting versus doing this. So hunting for me. I, I kind of, I trust my dogs a lot, so I just cut them loose. And, you know, depending on the terrain we're in, and I just know what they can do. So I just cut them loose and and just, you know, have GPS on them. And when I'm out west, you know, wild bird hunting, say the Dakotas or Montana, I'm just keeping them in range and just letting them find birds. So very little talking to them, you know. And, and, and I, you know, from wild bird hunting, I very rarely talk to my dogs when I'm out there. I got the beeper collar, or I got the, the shot collar on them with the beep. When they're out there at 200 yards, they, they're not listening to you anyways. You know, just the, just the tone on the collar, they're turning and coming back at you. But I trust them enough. When they hit a bird out there at 200 yards, they're not going to take it out. You know, so so they're, they're – I trust them, and just when, when I'm hunting them, they're just following me. They're just going. and I'm, Actually, I'm following them more than anything. Right. You know, and we're just going out through there and hunting. You trust the hunter with the longest nose and go. Yeah. And so ultimately what I'm getting at is, is you're not losing anything on your wild bird hunts because you do this fun game on right. the side. Yeah. And I, th I know that that's what a lot of detractors or, or people that may be hesitant mm -hmm. to try something like this, yeah. that might be their main concern is like, well, I, my first priority, first and foremost, is is wild birds. Yeah. And, and that they don't want to lose any of the manners or the training, so to speak, that yeah. they've, they have their dogs up to just by coming to play a competitive game like this yeah. as much fun as it might be. So I do, I, I do the field trial. And I mean, some guys do it from September until April, all, you know, all fall and all spring when I've chased for high points and all that stuff, I did it all fall. 
that also cut into a lot of my hunting time. So the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot more hunting in the fall, and my field trialing has been January, February, March, April for me. You know, kind of hunting has slowed down a little bit in my area, and the field trialing for me has picked up because, you know, February is our national championship. So January through the time I get down here, I'm practicing basically for this, you know, in October, November, December, and into January too. I'm I'm hunting, but also starting in January, I'm transitioning from hunting to practicing for nationals, you know, and, and then same thing with March. We got some big trials in March and in April. So I'm kind of trial season is that stuff, but it's not hard for my dogs to transition from field trial to going hunting. So like I was telling you before, we went from hunting South Dakota pheasants and sharp tails and chickens that day, driving all night, going to Wisconsin, get there at 10 o'clock in the morning, take them out of the truck that 12 hours later or 14 hours later, they were pheasant hunting, put them in the grouse woods. They're finding grouse, hunt grouse for three or four days on the way home, hit a field trail. <laughs> and it's, they doesn't phase them one bit. Doesn't skip a beat. No, not they're really. They're just having fun everywhere. Yeah, they, they're just out there finding birds. I mean, it doesn't. They're living the high life. Yeah, I mean, it, and I didn't, and that's why I always, the first time I did that, I'm like, my dogs are going to be pointing these field trials. They're going to be pointing birds like 30 feet away. And they just were pointing, you know, pheasants, you know, how far away and knowing they can't get close to them and they, you know, hunting them completely different. They know they were at a field trail. It didn't make any difference. You know, we drove all the way back from Wisconsin, stopped in Illinois for a field trial. I might have won. I can't remember the first one I did that. They, they were no, no issues with it. No issues. No, no issues. So back to qualifying for the nationals, like you said, it doesn't take that many. You know, you need yeah. to, what was it, six runs for the open? Yeah, six runs for the open, um, four for amateur, three for doubles, and same thing for, for flushing, six for open flushing, and then three for doubles flushing. So, it, like you said, the people that want to hit that minimum yeah. qualify, yep. and then they have their chance at the Nationals. Right. You can do that fairly quickly. Just just ballpark, like it, I'm probably assuming different regions, different tests, cost a little bit different, but yeah. like, what's the average entrance fee for doing a, a run yeah it depends on the birds really because if we're using quail obviously quail are cheaper um using chuckers typically most of the trials are quail down this way just because i'm from pennsylvania so getting quail for us is is kind of tough there's only one good breeder close to me and he's usually out of birds by february but uh, we use chuckers a lot so depending on the cost of of the birds is the big expense of the trial so Anywhere from eighty-five to hundred bucks on open run, and that gets you six birds, two three-bird runs in separate fields. Um, so you get you get some pretty good bang for your buck compared to some other organizations. So let's call it a hundred dollars. Yeah, you need six minimum to qualify for, for open. open for nationals. Yep, for six hundred bucks. That, that's one dog. Yeah. Uh, so six hundred bucks. Yeah. This year's nationals prize pool. Yeah. Uh, I think it was eight thousand dollars for eighty five hundred. Eighty five hundred for for, for, for pointing first, open for first place. Yeah, for first place. And yeah, then it goes down to pay out what was it, eight or ten, 10. slots? We played top ten. Yeah. So for yeah. six hundred dollars with travel, depending on where yeah. your 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 tests are mm-hmm. and everything, you know, let, let's call it you might have, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred bucks yeah. with travel and all yeah. that stuff to qualify for nationals. Yeah. Then you come here, you have a lucky run, you have yeah. the chance of winning $8,500. Yeah. And you said that most years are actually a little higher 10, 000, than that. Yeah, our numbers are down a little bit. You know, I think the economy um, definitely put a hurt, and it's definitely getting 
definitely costs a little bit more to travel, you know, with everything fuel and right. So put a number, a little bit of hurting. So we had to drop our numbers down. We, but yeah, for the past as long as I've been playing, open pointing has been ten thousand dollars for first place. So the way we get that, I probably we should probably talk about how that's we where get, I was headed next. Get that ten thousand. So every event that's held, every field, every trial that's held throughout the country for UFTA, every dog entered um, is a $20 sanctioning fee for that event. Say there's 30 dogs in the open. So $20 of that entry fee that you pay, that $85 to $100, $20 of that goes back to the organization all year long for all every every run from amateur pointing to open pointing, doubles pointing, open flushing, doubles flushing. 20 bucks so sanctioning So whatever fee. trial I, I sign up and I run yep. in, that money, a portion of that is yeah. going towards the Nationals. When the, when the host does their trial recap for them, we send a check with all the entries for a check of $20 a run to the organization. So by the end of the year, um, we got a pretty good chunk of money, you know, depending on how many people, how much running happens. But it's close to 100000 plus in the, in the organization's bank account. And there's not much comes out of that to pay for anything. We don't have any board of directors that are getting paid, any executives that are getting paid. All that money goes back to the members, either from payouts. We get championship jackets. To You've seen the belt buckles for Hall of Fame and 10-time and five-time championships. All the trophies we give out, all that money goes back to the members. Yeah. So in all every division, like you've seen, open pointing was like $25,000. That gets divided up between 10 spots. So when you make the finals, we're here. You know, the open pointing at 170 dogs, I think it was, um, in the open pointing. And you got to make top 30. You know, you got to make five, you make top five out of your 30 dogs that you qualify in to make it to the championship on Saturday. If you make it to the championship, you get your entry fee back. So you can come essentially, even if you don't win, come play for free and just have fun and have fun. You know, yeah. Yeah. So you can, you could, Basically, come play all week and 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 that's not the pointing dog. Anybody. You know the different divisions that you know each one was a little bit uh, different. Yeah, in, in it you know flushing yeah. was one thing. Yeah. I think that was like four thousand or something, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And all, it, it's all every pot's all separated. All that money that goes in throughout the year from every event for all the different divisions is all in a in a separate account where it's all divvied up amongst that event. Yeah, or events or amongst that division. So the pointing. Money isn't going in the flushing money. Exactly. The flushing money isn't going in the doubles pointing money. It's all separated. And that's exactly where I was headed. So somebody getting involved in this, you know, that's a flushing dog, which I hear from the flushing dog people all the time. Yeah. Here's your chance. Everybody's like, I want something to do with my flushing dog. Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's a circuit for you that it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, there's English cockers and labs all around the place. We had an English cocker win the women's, uh, women's flushing. Yeah. A little 20-pound English cocker. <laughs> I mean, it, it it truly looks like a lot yeah. of fun, but that's ultimately, like, that's what I'm getting at is to where, you know, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, I'm a flushing dog guy, yeah. but I don't want my money going into the pointing dog pot. Right. It's It stays within the division that you actually participate in because, to your point, the more runs in each division, the more money at the nationals and, Absolutely. you know, the banquet last night, it was pretty impressive. You guys yeah. had some impressive gear and giveaways. It's yeah. not, it wasn't like little slump giveaways. Yeah, we stuff. had some good stuff this year. You all had a few raffles like you, you yeah, typically we usually, do. We but. usually do, uh, we do a one, one big gun raffle throughout the year. It was a Beretta A400 Upland 
Um, we gave that away last night, and that ticket sold all year long. And then we do a raffle for two guns. They're just we raffle them off at the event. Um, we had two aluminum dog boxes. We had you know air you know uh, the um, the uh, Orion kennels. We had tons of stuff our sponsors gave us uh, for giveaways that we gave uh, we gave out last night. And we try to make it when you come to our banquet, which was last night. You got the witness the banquet. Um, we try to make it that everyone that comes to the banquet walks home with a prize. Even if you don't win any money, even if it's a bird bag, box of shells, dog lead, you know, we gave away some good stuff, but you know, we try to make it enough where you're walking out of there with something. You know? And ultimately that's what I'm leaving with is to you guys truly care about people just enjoying themselves yep. here. You know, what one thing you, you go to a lot of dog places and, and the dogs bring everybody together. For that's sure. That, you know, first and foremost, but like really here, so far, it's like, yes, everybody is in it for the dogs. Yeah. Everybody that I've talked to is just like, the dogs brought us here. Yeah. The dogs brought us all together. Yeah. Uh, but then you get past the dogs, everybody's here for a good time, it yeah. seems like. And yeah. they just it's want everybody to vacation. have fun. A lot, yeah. a lot of people's vacation. Yeah, well, you have a full yeah. week, like you said. Yeah. It's a seven, nine-day event yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, a vacation after this vacation. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's one of those things, you know, it's, again, to reiterate what you've said a million times, it's it's trials for the everyday dog yeah. person. Uh, no matter what that looks like, come out, have fun, yeah. check them out. Uh, you know, I, I hear it from a lot of people, flushing dog people especially. Uh, they just want a venue to go run their Absolutely. dogs and do something different. And, and everyone's, it's not a cutthroat, you know, when you when you have a good run, you come out like A and B field, and you got a good run, you got fifty people standing. But everyone's you walk out of there, everyone nice run, nice run. Yes. They're not like, man, he just smoked it, he's yeah. gonna kick my butt. There's a level of competition, yeah. but like so far, I haven't seen that that competitive drive that can yeah. kind of make things a little uneasy or right. toxic. It, it's like yeah. you said, it's it's kind of like it's competitive just to, in a way to make it even more fun. Yeah, everyone's out there. Believe me, everyone's out there to win. You know, I shouldn't say that everybody. Most people are out there to win. But when you walk out of that blind, I've just been doing this for you know, 14 years. When you walk out of the blind and you're in there with a competitor, 90% of the time, that guy walks out of the blind, he wishes you good luck and you wish him good luck. Yeah. And that everyone does that. You know, and it's just, you don't see anyone trying to like, you know, stick to anybody. Yeah. You know, say somebody's interested in uh, holding a trial, yeah. something like that. Do yeah. they reach out to you guys? Absolutely. You reach out to one of the board members. Um, you know, hopefully it's somewhere in the area where they can come check it out. You know, if not, um, yeah, definitely talk to one of the board members and we'll give you the kind of the criteria that you need to, to host an event, you know, and hopefully it's somewhere we're close to get some other competitors that, you know, that already compete to come check it out. Yeah. And you already said it once. I'll have the link down in the show notes, but kind of tell everybody where they can find you. And you said that you guys are kind of getting social yeah. media up and going yeah, again. Yeah, so we're not real high tech at UFTA <laughs> yet. We're trying. You've definitely helped us a little bit more than uh, I'm capable of, I think. But yeah, we have a, we definitely have a website, uftaonline.com, where you can check out um, all of the events, um, all the results from all the past trials, who's up there in points, um, the national event, you know, results when they're posted on there, all of our sponsors, um, all that stuff. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, United Field Trials Association official. And then we have an Instagram page, but it's not real active, active yet. We're trying on it. So, but uh, we just started it. So, you know, you know hopefully we would next uh, few weeks after nationals here, we're posting a lot of the pictures on nationals results and stuff like that. We're going to be, so we got a, we got a fair number of older members that 
aren't real high tech and I've I've kind of I guess try to help out get high tech on it and I'm not real high tech either so it's kind of tough <laughs> you're commandeering it yeah I'm trying the best yeah. I can so well I'll, I'll have all those links in the show notes and, and we'll get you a little activity anyway, yeah but that'd be cool but yeah man I appreciate it it's it's fun kind of coming full circle after a yeah, few man. years you know Rachel kind of comes from this world and so it's kind of a little so bit back to my roots I gotta ask you after you watched it today yeah you think Rachel's competitive in this can be I think so I mean I know the I know the answer to that but I'm yeah. just what do you think I think so yeah I think she's competitive uh obviously my, my setter pup I'm I'm kind of eyeing yeah. this to do that and uh Lucy it just depends on the day man right. Lucy my Munsty you know it's uh anybody listening to this podcast for any length yeah, of time know, right. kn- knows about her to yeah. where it's just like you know depending on the dog that shows up I yeah. think she could have some fun but I can also see being a little frustrated with the inconsistency you know yeah. sometimes she cares about pen, pen raised birds and yeah. other times she does right. not at all yeah I, like i said i knew the answer to rachel because i know where she comes from so right i didn't think that'd be an issue yeah the, there, there's a few short hairs that uh going around looking like like <laughs> rachel and uh you know she, she's there's not quite your, a few yeah the, they're, they're around here but yeah um, it's one of those you're probably going to see me at a few of these uh in the future so yeah just, just something well, I hope else. So, man. Just I something else had... fun to do, and and something new to try. Yeah, hope you had fun watching today. It uh, had some great weather. I mean, we typically don't have weather like this at Nationals. It's usually raining or snowing. Nor- or... Normally, I'm bringing the rain and snow yeah, with me. We had it earlier in the week, so, so. yeah. I mean, hopefully, it's all gone. Well, I enjoyed it, man, and yeah, uh, man. yeah we'll, we'll circle back and talk more about this again. I'm sure. Good deal. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brandon covering UFTA. This episode was brought to you by Standing Stone Supply, DT Systems, as well as North American Poodle Pointer Society. Uh, this episode was a lot of fun for me for a, for a number of reasons. Is getting to know uh, the UFTA system better. You know, since I've been in the dog world, as anybody that's listened to, to GDIY for any length of time is aware, I've participated in some hunt testing, but really haven't haven't uh, touched on or dipped my toes into trialing and uh, competition. So it was really interesting, kind of getting up there and seeing it for. Uh, myself with, with my own two eyes and, and kind of seeing the makeup of it. But uh, ultimately, it was kind of fun just linking up with Brandon again. Uh, anybody that's in the dog world for any extended period of time, they, they're they aware of just how big of a small world this is. And so as we talked about briefly on on the episode is Brandon was one of the first few people I've met in, in the dog world as I was getting into it. And uh, it's just interesting how we just kind of keep circling back and forth and, and just linking up for hunts uh, unintentionally, honestly. And then uh, when I, he invited me to come up for the for this trial, it's uh, I had a blast and it's something that I'm definitely going to follow up on and, and have plans to uh, attempt to run myself. Um, it's just finding the time to do so and the right opportunity. So uh, it, it, was, it was awesome catching up with Brandon, getting to know him and, and a bunch of these other people a little bit better. And, and what I found really interesting was while UFTA is comp- competitive, it's it's a competition, how supportive everybody was of each other. It, it wasn't, you know, everybody was in it to win it. You're, you're not signing up to, to lose or, or have somebody else beat you. But ultimately, even when they were competing with each other, when they're coming out of the field or whatever, everybody was asking how it went or congratulating them or or whatever it, it, it was there was 
a competitive nature to it, but you still had that kind of sense of community to where everybody was in it for the same reasons for the, for the most part. Obviously, there's going to be some people that that take the competition a little bit further than others, uh, but for the most part, everybody kind of seemed to be on the same page ultimately. And uh, another thing, and, and this is something we talked a little bit on, on the episode as well, is how competition such as this one at, at the very least it, it doesn't hurt the hunt you know i've been in the field with brandon's dogs uh for for a small bit when we hunted kentucky and uh he hunts birds all over with with, with uh, moderate success so it i know as i was getting into it and doing hunt tests you you hear that sometimes to where sometimes the trial system doesn't lend itself towards wild bird hunting and uh i mean Really, to be perfectly honest, I hear that just as much about the hunt test system as I do the trial system. So if that's something that's kind of been in, in your head or, or somebody's kind of told you about that, you can do both at a high level. And, uh, you know, guys within UFTA and probably every testing or trialing organization, there are going to be some outliers or people that prove that's inaccurate. I shouldn't even say outliers, but it's uh, it's one of those things. If you train these dogs the right way, if you train it with the right foundation and, and with the right intention, you should be able to have fun in the, in the games, the tests, the trials, as well as wild bird hunt. It should not get in the way of that. So it, it's uh, just take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, I, I have seen Brandon's dogs in the wild bird field, and uh, there was one day in Kentucky where he was the only one that found birds and, and shot birds with with a lot of people and their dogs on the ground. So, again, take it for whatever it's worth. Uh, just some observations going going up there to to catch that event, but. Uh, Reach out to UFTA if you have any questions. They're great people. They'll still steer you in the right direction. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, Brandon said they're going to be a little more intentional with getting involved in social media and stuff like that. So I have a feeling this is not going to be the last of UFTA, uh, at least on this podcast or uh things that I'm jumping into uh, of interest. So with, with that being said, I'm going to move on to... Uh, what we always kind of move on to, Patreon. Uh, I do extended outros on a weekly basis, or I try to when I'm not sick or anything like that. Uh, but last week I covered on a lot of my thoughts and processes and tips and tricks on how to build uh, a drive to search and building that search command and ultimately starting to build your, your duck search more specifically based off of bumpers and objects. And so with this week, I'm going to go into how to transition from those into actual live birds and uh, some tips and tricks on how to plant and go about some duck search training. Uh, so if there's any interest in that topic, then by all means go to patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself and sign up. If you don't have any interest in that, but maybe you have some interest in like early access to some content. Right now, I have a an awesome episode that that is available early access. It's going to be coming out in the next week or two. So if you, if you don't want to sign up for it, you, you obviously don't have to. It will come out. But I, I will just say that I've been getting a lot of engagement and a lot of feedback on this episode that I did with Bob Owens of Lone Duck and Jeremy Moore of Dogbone Hunter. Uh, we brought back an idea that I tried a couple years ago called Trainer Fights. And uh, there is a very honest and real conversation between two trainers uh, that kind of come... that. 
it's similar in the fact that they're dog trainers, but they kind of come at it from different perspectives. Bob, you know, you guys are familiar with with what he does and the trials and, and the high caliber uh, retrievers that he does. Jeremy kind of comes at it from a different perspective or different requirement. But all in all, it was a it was a very real and honest conversation. So if you want to go check that out right now, it's up on Patreon right now. So you could join and catch that. Also, I I, I am trying to wrap up the finishing touches on on a video that I did from our Arizona trip. If it's not done at the time of this this recording actually coming out, it's very close. And so when I get that knocked out, there will be early access for a little while on Patreon before that goes public to everybody else. So again, if you have any interest on that, consider Patreon. And then besides that is the bonus episodes with Nick Larson, which I'm supposed to be recording with him again here in the next uh, day or so at the time of me recording this. And uh, that's getting a lot of really good feedback. We've been starting to incorporate actual hunting clips uh, with some kind of tutorial, just us kind of talking about what transpired and, uh, you know, whether it's dog work, how to find birds and how to, you know, different things, tips and tricks on how to make your hunts better, as well as uh, Patreon patrons are starting to slowly send in some of their own clips. And that's going to that's going to be a lot of fun. And when we get to the point where we start getting some clips from listeners, uh, if you guys want some some thoughts or feedback from us, we will we're planning on starting to incorporate that into the show as well. So just something neat and different. And if there's any interest in stuff like that, again, it's patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself if you don't have any interest in helping out the podcast in the form of patreon by all means please leave us a five-star rating and review it does help us out in the algorithm and then follow us on social media especially youtube right now we're just kicking that off we're trying to grow that so just going to youtube searching gundog it yourself and uh just hitting subscribe or hitting the link down in the show notes it should take you there as well that really helps us out a lot and i would really appreciate that With all that being said, again, thanks for hitting uh, download and hitting play. It means the world to us that you would uh, invest your time in GDIY. I hope it was worth your time and and you enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to be back next week with kicking off or actually with the uh, trainer fight episode I was just kind of previewing earlier. I know last week I kind of hinted at the fact that we had some kind of fun series coming up Uh, that got delayed one more week. But uh, for that, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead. And since I lied to you a, a week or so ago about the series starting, I have an entire series on Woe coming up. You're going to hear a lot of different perspectives of Woe over the coming weeks. But next week is going to be that that really intriguing episode with uh, Jeremy and Bob. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again for hitting play on this one. And we will check back next week. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.